If I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Georgia Tech is proud of its many traditions, but the one I find most exciting is our tradition of excellence. Our mission as students is not to follow in the footsteps of the astronauts, Nobel Prize laureates, and president who graduated before us, but to exceed their footsteps, crush the shoulders of the giants upon whom we stand. We here are all such innovative people, so I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. What is this, you may ask? This is the wonderful podcast known as What's the Good Word? I'm your host, Stephen. With me is my other host, the better host. He is Joshua. Joshua, what's the good word? Uh, to hell with Georgia. So what's, what is the good word to you, sir? It is always and will always be to hell with Georgia. Let's get into it. Uh, let me uh, let me lay out the podcast for everybody. First of all, uh, I had a very interesting experience, Joshua, I want to share with you and our listeners. I had, for the very first time in the history of this episode, a listener come up to me and say, hey, I caught the new podcast you're doing. It's awesome. I'm going to be a listener. And in fact, he is not one of our one of our targeted audience. Our targeted audience, in case you didn't know, we are the podcast for Georgia Tech fans and alum by Georgia Tech fans and alum. This gentleman was neither, but he was nice enough to say he enjoyed the podcast and said, can I continue to listen? And I said, of course, just as long as you're okay with us saying to hell with Georgia at the beginning of every episode. Um, so we are here uh, the week after the Western Carolina game, before the Ole Miss game, right in the middle of September. Joshua, lay out the show for everybody. We're going to do some quick hitting news at the beginning. Then we're going to spend some time uh, on the Western Carolina game, look ahead to the Ole Miss game, and tell everybody the chunk that we're going to do at the end. Well, at the end, for y'all's listening pleasure, we're going to do a, the first edition of our 2022-2023 college basketball season preview so obviously we'll probably do one of these a little bit closer to the season once we get a little bit more information you know there's more stuff out there about who's been ripping it up in practice who's looking to start somebody might have gotten hurt you know maybe they bring in a last minute transfer um so this is just kind of like the first in-depth look with what we have right now the recruiting period just ended you know techs brought in two transfers two freshmen um but they lost a few people so we're just going to kind of give our initial thoughts just looking at it from scratch without any real new information coming out of practices or anything. And uh, as that, I'll, I'll use that as a refresher for everybody. What we try to do here is we try to have two different parts of the show. The very beginning, we want to hit you with news, get you as much information about Georgia Tech athletics as possible so that if you need to get on with your day because you're a Tech alum or a Tech fan and you got lots of other good things to do, building the world, et cetera, et cetera, you can leave the show and not listen to the chunk or come back to it later. But between the two, we try to get you as much information on the front end, spend a little more time with something more in-depth on the back end. So let's get right into it. I will start off, Joshua. We are going to lead off the show talking about the women's volleyball team. We mentioned them last week. They had a big week, the Georgia Tech Invitational. They faced two top 10 opponents during the week. 
Good news and bad news. The good news, they swept BYU three three games to none in their first match. Unfortunately, in the finals, they lost to Ohio State, number eight ranked Ohio State at the time, uh, three games to one in their match. So they are now six and one on the season. Uh, they uh, good two good matches, uh, both sellouts at O'Keefe Gym. Uh, the team is is doing well. They uh, of, of course being six and one and still being in the top ten, even with that loss. I believe they are ranked number seven right now, currently as we record this. They have two away matches this week uh, before they start ACC play. So they're playing Arkansas and UGA on the road, and then they start their ACC play at home against Wake Forest on September 23rd. If you don't have tickets yet, try to get tickets. But the volleyball team is doing very well. I also wanted to finish this piece of information up uh, by saying that it was noted on ramblingrec.com that dating back to September 30th, 2020, there have been 42 straight top 25 polls in women's volleyball that the Georgia Tech women's volleyball team has been in that poll. They have been ranked for 42 straight polls dating back to September 30th, 2020. Joshua, among you and I, I don't know if anyone else will get this joke, but much like WWE superstar Roman Reigns, we need to acknowledge the Georgia Tech women's volleyball team. It seems like they are in the head of the table as of right now, or at least one of the heads. Um, at the head well, table. Why don't we say at the head table, right? They At the head table, the top 10, easily. Uh, what's um, your story? Well, my story comes from last week. Um, touching on basketball, as I said, um, you know, the season's coming up here soon, but recruiting season never stops. Um, the coach's job is 24-7. So uh, last week, Rod McKenzie in the 24-7 uh, Sports for Go Jackets, he wrote an article talking about the college basketball coaching staff have went on the road to kind of visit some recruits that they're targeting for both 2023-2024. Um, very interesting how they split it up. So Julian Swartz, one of the assistants, um, he was in he was in the local stuff. So he went to the Skill Factory, Mount Vernon Academy, and Grayson to recruit three different people. So from the Skill Factory, he was going after 2024 power forward Lathan Somerville, who is originally from Illinois. I believe he moved down to Atlanta to play at the Skill Factory. Um, he holds uh, he's 6'9", and he holds offers from Rutgers, SMU, Wake Forest, and Xavier. So definitely getting some power five interest there. Um, he, after that, he went to Mount Vernon. He went to see somebody who uh, should be familiar to Georgia Tech fans. Steven, you'll remember this guy, or at least his father, Dennis Scott the Third. Um, looking at him for 2024, he's also six nine. Uh, he's got offers from Harvard and Indiana. He's also hearing from Iowa and Penn State. So not the biggest name, um, but you know the legacy is I'm gonna, there. So I'm going to call it now. He better come here. I would, you know, I would hope so. Keep the legacy alive. And then the last one for him was 2024 combo guard Jakari Harris. Um, he also had, he's probably the most high profile of these recruits because he has offers from Arizona State, Clemson, Florida, and Georgia, while also getting an unofficial visit from Old Miss. So, you know, some, some three solid players right there. Josh Passner, head coach, obviously, he went down to Florida and specifically went to IMG Academy, which anybody that knows the high school scene knows that IMG Academy is quite possibly the biggest deal in high school sports. Um, he was specifically going down to see, going down there to see current Georgia Tech commit Blue Kane, who is right now the only guy in the 2023 class. I'm assuming just to kind of reinforce that he should absolutely come here. 
Uh, he also came to see Jaden Hastings at the same school. He's also 6'9", power forward. Um, he's come to Georgia Tech. He had an unofficial visit after getting an offer the last year, so he's been on Tech's radar for a while. He's got offers from Boston College, Clemson, Florida, and Miami. So Southern School is going after him pretty hard. And then last but not least, new coach Brian Eskelson went to Toronto to see your guy, Stephen, uh, Vishon Alette. I uh, went to go talk to him even more, even though he has um, an official visit coming up from when we're reporting about three days from now. He's got one on September 16th. Um, he has released his top eight, as we talked about, Arizona State, Boston College, DePaul, Georgia Tech, SMU, St. John's, UC Santa Barbara, and VCU. Now, the last note of this story is that uh, Schwartz, Julian Schwartz, is going to go to Wisconsin. Uh, he's already in there right now, and then he'll come back to Georgia, while Eskildson is going to be in North Carolina after the Toronto trip. So, they're, they're on the road. Before practices get started, they're trying to get people excited. Well, and I really like Blue Cane, an early commit for next year's class. Uh, I yep. like that Josh went down there to see one of his teammates. Let's hope Blue Cane can kind of maybe uh, give a little uh, shout out and talk about continuing to play with a teammate in college. Keep my fingers crossed. And I'll just yep. say it now, Dennis Scott III, uh, I would love – for his father to uh, come and be a special consultant uh, to teach some three-point shooting because there was no one better. Him and Mark Price, I would have loved to have seen them do a shoot-off uh, as former alums. So good good story there. Last, uh, last story before we start talking about, because we will talk about the football uh, as the last part of the news. Before I get to that, I want to tell everybody that the Georgia Tech golf team did have their first intercollegiate event they went to the Maui Gym Invitational in Arizona, and the team finished fourth for the event. Two uh, golfers of note. The first is senior Connor Howe, tied for third in the individual event, uh, or individually through his three rounds. And then the RamblingRank.com did note that one of the freshmen, and it's funny, we talked about the golf team, and we talked about all upperclassmen. Uh, that was one of the strengths of the team. Here, this incoming freshman, Hiroshi Tai, he earned what was stated as medalist honors for the event. And it said on ramblingrec.com, he earned a victory in his first collegiate event. Now, I tried to clarify what that meant. And here's the, let's, let us let you behind the, the, the curtain of being a podcaster. Uh, tried to look, tried to look up the Maui Gym Invitational. I kept getting to the Basketball Maui Invitational Tournament. Uh, and, and I finally found where the Maui Gym Invitational Collegiate Tournament that just happened, I found some stuff about it, and it said, there are five articles, and here's the scores. If you want to get access to it, here's the subscription rate. And I just said, I'm not subscribing to something just to figure out whether Hiroshi Tai finished first overall or whether this medalist was for an individual round or something. So I yeah. don't know exactly what the medal medalist uh honors means if he finished first overall. Ramblin' Wreck didn't say that. They have this wonderful picture of him holding a great trophy. Go to ramblinwreck.com. Uh, and I'm not shouting out Ramblin' Wreck. They do a great job, but I got a little confused. And so I'm not sure exactly what Hiroshi Tai exactly finished or won, but he won something and there's a great picture of it on the ramblinwreck.com site. Okay, let's shift to football. Say again. As long as he got something. As long as he got something. And it wasn't a participation trophy. I can guarantee you that. Fantastic. All right. So let's talk about football real quick. Uh, what I'd like to do is, is quickly review the Western Carolina game. Also look ahead to the Ole Miss game. So 
We're not going to do who's hot, who's not. We'll save that for another game. Instead, let me just say, Joshua, so Georgia Tech beat Western Carolina 35-17, earns their first win of the season. Honestly, their first win in the last eight games for the football team, I believe. So, uh, or nine games, something like that. They lost eight in a row. I it's think been it's, a while. It's Let's been a while. Yes. Keep it lean times. So, quickly, your reaction to the game, your notes, what you saw, just give a quick review. Um, well, um, this is the running game that I kind of expected to see out of Tech when we were talking about it before this season. Um, Dante Smith got that dude's got some burners. I mean, he he's his ability to change direction is insane. You know, he had 102 yards, three touchdowns. Um, kind of what you want to see when we're playing when the team is playing like an FCS school like this. Um, and Jeff Sims did his thing on the ground too with 48 yards. Um, you like to see him kind of getting involved in the run game, uh, maybe just a little bit more because that seems to be his biggest strength. Uh, sticking with Jeff Sims, not the greatest day passing, but in the end, I don't think he really needed to. And I think that was kind of the game plan coming in was we're just going to, you know, we're bigger and stronger than them in almost every position. We're just going to pound the rock and because they're Western Carolina's defense wasn't good by FCS standards. So ab we absolutely should have just opposed our will. And that's what that's what tech did um, with the defense started slow, uh, 14 points in the first quarter. You know, not something you want to see. I do think it was kind of contributed. There are two contributing factors to it. One, I do think they were still kind of sluggish from playing a Monday night game with a quick turnaround to a Saturday game. Uh, you saw it with Clemson, too. They started off kind of slow on defense as well. And the biggest reason, and we saw it in the Clemson game, Charlie Thomas ties this defense together. That's apparent, considering he only played, you know, a quarter, and he ended up second on the team in tackles. He also had a sack and an interception. Um I, that there's a reason that he's getting scouted by NFL guys right now. He is a unit. Um, I liked what I overall, I mean, it's a good game. You expect to see them win this way. Uh, you probably would want to see them win by a little bit more, but beggars can't be choosers. A win is a win. We haven't seen one of these in a while. As we previously mentioned, uh, secondary was making plays ACE Lee and Charlie Thomas, great linebacker duo. Both lines looked like they were doing their thing. You know, the only real complaint was the passing game never got started. But again, I think that was intentional. Yeah, some of my uh, some of my thoughts. Uh, I was wondering why I was kind of enjoying the game, and I realized at afterward, two hundred forty three of three hundred forty three total yards were running, and I was like, oh yeah, I knew that. And uh, I also noted in one of the recaps of the game, uh, there were more than a couple times where it almost looked like the triple option. There was, yeah, the, yeah. and there was the circle circle around, uh, and I was like, ooh, I know that play. So um, that, uh, you know, they did what they needed to do. The defense causing four turnovers. You only hope that they can continue to turn the ball over. There is no question Charlie Thomas is the absolute key to this defense. This week confirmed it. In one half, he had eight tackles, including two for loss, uh, two tackles for loss, one sack, and one interception. And that's in a half. And you can make an argument that the two touchdowns they gave up at the beginning, part of it being new personnel on the field. And so this, this team will go as far as Charlie Thomas and the defense that surrounds him can take us. He clearly he is the focal point. He is making all the tackles, and he and uh, Ely are are huge, and, and Keon White and getting a rush with four. Um, 
is going to be big. A little bit better blocking. I still saw some missed assignments. Here's what I'm going to say. The, the question of this team is going to always be, do they play clean? How clean do they play? And, do, and how much do they take advantage of their chances? Um, again, watching CPJ for 11 years, you, it's, it's wear them down, wear them down, and just grind. Just grind, 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 make no mistakes, and be there at the end. That to it, it's a very different team. This is a very different team, but that's got to be the formula. You got to stay close and then find a way. So with that as, as my review and then also a segue, we're looking forward to this week against Ole Miss, 3.30 uh, Eastern time. It's on ABC. Uh, Ole Miss is ranked. Uh, so let me ask you, Joshua, what are you looking forward to? What are you not looking forward to? What are you thinking needs to happen for Tech to have a chance? Well, it, to say that you know Tech have a chance or not, I think that this is a unique opportunity for Georgia Tech because Ole Miss is ranked number 20. You know, they're an SEC school. Lane Kiffin is one of the five most well-known college football head coaches. They don't have a starting quarterback right now. They're, they've been alternating between Luke Altmeyer, who came back from last year, who was backing up Matt Corral, and Jackson Dart, who transferred in from USC. They, both the guys have gotten an opportunity to play. And in all honesty, neither of them has really looked fantastic. So Jackson's, Jackson Dart got the start in their first game against Troy. Um, one touchdown, one interception, 154 yards. They only won that game like 28 to 10, which when you hear Ole Miss versus Troy, you expect a bit more of a slaughter. Now, they did play Central Arkansas and beat them 59 to 3. Luke Altmeyer actually got injured and didn't get to play the full game, but he went 6 of 13 when he was playing for 92 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and when Dart came in, he went 10 of 15 for 182 yards and two touchdowns. So Dart played well against, again, Central Arkansas. You know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, Dart did play relatively well last year at USC. Um, but the the point I'm trying to make here is that Ole Miss is still incorporating a lot of new players. Lane Kiffin himself kind of dubbed himself the portal king. So not only is their quarterback new, their running back, uh, Zach Evans, is just transferred in. They've got a bunch of transfers on defense, one of Georgia Tech's own, Jared Ivey, uh, one of the backup DNs now. Um, so we have, there's a chance here as they're getting out of their FCS schedule, getting into the power five stuff, tech could take them by surprise. And Ole Miss has never been known for defense. It's kind of Lane Kiffin's MO is he's very much a Mike Leach type where the offense will put up 55 and the defense will give up 52. So if tech tech's defense, I would argue is probably better than Ole Miss's right now with the way that they've performed, you know, the fourth quarter of the Clemson game, notwithstanding, um, so there's a chance here. I think that Tech's defense is definitely going to have to keep getting pressure on the quarterback, uh, bottle up the run game. If they can bottle up Zach Evans, I think that's the best way to win. And the offense is just going to have to pound the rock. Yeah, I was going to say, so, um, uh, you know, right now Georgia Tech stands as a 14-and-a-half-point underdog as we're recording this. They uh, This is the first time they've played Ole Miss since 1946. They are playing at home, unfortunately, with the way Tech has been playing lately, that's not going to mean anything. There's a very good chance that if it's close to a sellout, there's going to be a lot of Ole Miss fans there. The one thing about playing at home, it is your turf. It is your stadium. It is your dorm and you're, you know, you're not on the road. Yeah. So, so those are potential, you know, maybe Tech fans will show up. We'll see. But I, I don't think you can count on that yet. But here's the point. 
as the as the Georgia Tech football team, you have a chance. You have a chance to show that it is different. You have a chance that that's and they haven't been talking too much. Jeff Collins has certainly not been loud and boisterous like he has been in the past. So there's a chance to prove it on the field. There's a chance to show everybody that it's not just what little talking you've been doing, but you can back up your words with actions and show up and play a clean game, play a play a very strong defensive game, and show that your offense is better. Don't give away points. Don't make dumb mistakes. Be in the game and give yourself a chance to beat a ranked opponent. That would be the first ranked opponent defeat, I believe, for Jeff Cutt. Maybe there was one. I guess Florida State was ranked at the first game of the season, but I, it doesn't even matter. Did UNC at some point. Yeah, I guess last year UNC was ranked. ranked last year they were like 7-5. Yeah, so it it it's a chance to really make a statement. This is a chance for a statement win. You put them on the schedule, here they are, and you're right. They're adjusting, and they're not at full-blown – you know, mode of how good they might potentially be. I don't know. Just show up, play your game, and run it down their throat, control the ball, you know, have Sims be more accurate and, you know, be more accurate like he was against Clemson. Give yourself a chance. And stranger things have happened. So we'll see. App State just, beat, App State just won uh, this past week. We saw multiple top 25 teams go down. So um, I think the biggest thing – because the Clemson game is the only thing we really have to go on because it was the other ranked opponent we played. Um, the thing I think the thing that hurt us against Clemson was the offense just couldn't couldn't right. stay on the field. So if Tech's offense can stay on the field and give their defense at least some time to catch their breath, there's less of a chance of them, you know, giving up so many points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And yeah. you know, if they don't kick out Charlie Thomas for a stupid call, right? It's it, all I have to say is it's right there, gentlemen. It's, it's there to take it. It's it's yours. You want it. There it is. You've got a chance. Do something with your chance. And we're and as fans and alum, we're hoping for not another it was close or not another moral victory. Let's show show everybody that you're there. So, all right, that's uh, that's enough of uh, that stuff. So uh, thank you for sticking with us for the news. We're going to spend the last few minutes and kind of doing a preview of a preview of the Georgia Tech men's basketball team. So. Um, uh, Joshua, what I thought I would do uh, to kind of kick off, and and we didn't. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of of our back and forth and kind of talking through. I, I will confess, always have been. This this is my team. Basketball is the sport. Yeah. Uh, it's a sport I played. It's a sport I coached on a, a junior high and high school level. Uh, so this is this is what I love, and and so I get most passionate about this. Um, Joshua, you share that passion, of course. So uh, I thought I would start by just kind of going over the roster real quick and, and reminding everybody who we have, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of get into some some thoughts about the team, uh, what we see ahead for the schedule. Just just spend a couple minutes on it. So the the two big transfers, uh, Lance Terry, are both seniors. Lance Terry, Javon Franklin. Uh, Lance Terry is a six-two guard. Javon Franklin is a six-seven forward. The uh, we also have Kyle Sturdivant, who is uh, a returning senior, uh, and I'm looking for the others. Rodney Howard, of course, is a senior. Uh, so those are your main scene. Uh, of course, of course, our uh, you're my favorite Coleman Boyd, uh, lead cheerleader uh, on the end of the bench, and uh, guy who will always 
finish out a, a garbage time with a lot of energy and looking for an assist. He is uh, like awesome. Another coach on the floor. Say again. It's like having another coach on the floor. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, so uh, apart from that, uh, the other uh, underclassmen, uh, of course, led by Debo Coleman, uh, returning sophomore, uh, great recruit. We also have Davon Smith, uh, junior guard. Uh, we have uh, Miles Kelly, who's a sophomore, played some especially at the end of last year. Jalen Moore, uh, 6'7 forward, who's also a sophomore. Again, he started showing some flashes at the end of last year. Jordan Mecca, uh, a junior who got kind of pushed into service with some injuries and some underplay by uh, Saba. He, uh, he started showing his athletic ability. Uh, he is a, a junior forward, but kind of also a center. Uh, and then uh, we have Tristan Maxwell, who is a junior, has been hurt most of his time at Tech, got into some games last year, uh, showed off, really showed out in one game, hitting seven threes. And then uh, new guys and kind of guys that haven't really played much yet, but we might see some things. Uh, Kirill Martinov is and Fred's Bogatskis is our two freshmen, both international. One, uh, Kirill is from uh, uh, Canada by way of New Jersey, and Fred's is from, I believe, Latvia. Is that right? That's a great question. It yeah, sounds it's definitely something European. Yeah. <laughs> and we had it in the game in the show where we talked about him. We also have uh, Emmer Nichols, uh, who is an incoming freshman. Uh, and then Brayton Daniels, who is a, a sophomore, and Jermonte Hill, who is a redshirt freshman. Uh, so that kind of, uh, you know, it's funny. There was a news story at one point that, you know, Tech might not even have a full roster. So at least you got to give the coaching staff and, and Pastner credit. He filled out his roster. So he's he's got different levels of classmen. So uh, that's the roster. Let me just ask you real quick, what are you um, – what are your first reactions? What are your thoughts? What is your what is your opinion of Georgia Tech basketball at this point in time? I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't really have an opinion right now because this this team is a complete blank slate. Um, when you lose two guys that accounted for 32 points, 10 rebounds, and six assists per game um, at the same time, you know, I there's not much else that you can really draw from this from you know right now we haven't seen them play as much um you can put the team together on paper and be like oh um davon smith you know is a highly regarded recruit um as was kyle sturdivant um as was debo you know we've got there's some talent there there was at some point um you know and you're hoping that everybody takes a takes a jump but you don't you don't necessarily know because the biggest thing this team is screaming out for right now is a leader um, you know, two years ago, that was Jose Alvarado. He was the emotional heart and soul of the team. And he, more often than not, just dragged the team kicking and screaming into most games. Um, whether they wanted to win or not, he was like, I'm not going to let this game get away. Um, and then last year, Usher kind of stepped up to do that. And he was really good at the, the getting hyped for like the, the big time stuff. Like the when, when the team was going good, he was right there. But when the team was going bad, he, he always kind of, you know, we wanted him to stay focused, but sometimes it was a struggle for him to stay focused. Um, and you know, DeVoe was our best player, but he most definitely wasn't our leader. Um, so that's the biggest thing I think that they're looking for right now is somebody to kind of step into that leadership role. Um, in terms of talent, you hope it's Debo because Debo has the most potential right now because he's the youngest and he was the highest regarded and he showed the most last year. But 
you know, Davon, Sturd event, um, even Rodney. I mean, they all, they're all, they all have a seat at the table to at least kind of be the voice of reason in the locker room. But somebody needs to take that, that mantle because without it, it's going to be a rudderless ship. Josh can only do so much. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so a couple things that, uh, that I noticed, um, a great call on the blank slate. I think that's absolutely true. You know, Josh Pastner came to Georgia tech and he said, we need to get old and stay old. And he started with an old team that he was able to kind of put a system together and, and figure out how to win enough. And they made an NIT and absolutely surprised some people with being around 500 when he's been injured or young, he has, the team has struggled. But uh, as they get older, they get, you know, they get stronger, they get, they kind of figure it out. And being 500 or better in the ACC is, is a pretty good run. And the year COVID hit in 2020, they were on their way, I believe, to getting a tournament bid because they were over 500 in the ACC, or I'm sorry, they would have gotten a tournament bid if not for the imposed sanctions, which were a total BS, they shouldn't have ever had them, but Pastner is so above board, they, they kind of said, we're going to take a one or take our one year um, sabbatical, whatever, uh, one year suspension. And that team was above 500 when COVID shut everything down. They were starting to turn the corner. That showed the following season when they, when they made it to the ACC tournament, won it and made it to the tournament. And if Moses hadn't, hadn't uh, you know, gone out with COVID, which was, again, bad luck, I would, that would oh, really plays that game. So, I, I I firmly hold that if Moses plays, we beat that team. Absolutely, I would have loved to have watched Probably. that. Plus, we faced the hardest eight nine matchup in the history yeah. of mankind. Yeah. But we faced you know, the top ten team. It was an we better stop because we're starting to sound like SEC fans, and we're starting to sound like that. No, 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 no. This is this is the one soap. This is the one mountain that I will die on with Georgia Tech basketball. There's no way that that slow bowling ball Cameron Crowley would have been able to handle Moses right. Moses would have absolutely dominated. Oh, he would have toyed with him. There's no question. He had he has he has so much, you know, touch as a passer. Okay, but Moses is six nine and runs like a guard. So tell me that Moses isn't gonna yeah. be able to face that guy up and spin move his way to the basket. Come on. By the way, as a quick side note to our listeners, if you haven't yet, uh I, and I've said this to Joshua many times, I'm gonna say it now publicly on air. It is because of Jose Alvarado that I rediscovered my passion and love for college basketball. If if and he's carried that to the pros. If you haven't yet, go search on YouTube Jose Alvarado Pelican highlights just to see him bring that hide in the corner and run behind the guy and steal it. He is he's so enjoyable to watch, and I loved your description of just carrying the team direct kicking and screaming we are gonna yes. win this game we're not gonna lose so anyway um I, I will uh i will say i love the your comment of the blank slate there's no question that this team is a, a blank slate um they play iowa in the acc big 10 challenge uh they are going to kick off we said at one time they're going to kick off the georgia state new uh, convocation center to start the season they get to get revenge for the football team against northern illinois because uh, that's their second game. They do have a uh, Fort Myers tip-off that they're going to be with Marquette, Mississippi State, Utah. And then they've got some hopefully winnable games. They do play Georgia at home in McCamish, so that'll be a good uh, yes. uh, start to the season. But they've got – I mean, it's a – of course, playing the ACC, it's a stacked schedule, but their out-of-conference is tougher than normal. You know, when Pastor first got here, 
he played as many cupcakes as he could to try and get some wins. So, you know, this was scheduled. This is, this is a pretty solid schedule. And I said this one time before, and I'm, I'm just going to say it now, I, as I look at this roster and the blank slate absolutely holds again, if it, and I think this team can take on Passner's uh, defensive mentality. Sturdivant is, is an absolute pest. Davon is, is a freak of athletic nature who is not scared to play defense. You know, Debo showed me a lot of signs of he is okay in the system and he is not, he's not just a scorer. He is, he is definitely didn't look jaded. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't look like a guy that was a top 30 recruit who would come in like expecting he's going to always have the ball. He was very willing to play team basketball, which. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. And, and again, I said it last time, I think one of the big keys is going to be Rodney because he, he was not. Real, he was a body in the middle who was trying, but he wasn't really a, a deterrent until it started to be at the end of the year and the team didn't win. But I saw some flashes of, you know, offensive rebounding and and being a a, a plug in the middle uh, to kind of because that is key to, to passers defense. Um, and if Kirill is as strong as they say he is, and if Mecca has learned how to, you know, channel his energy without just fouling people because Mecca showed me that he is a shot blocker. So if you get any kind of rotation and not have to just rely on Rodney and those guys can give you some defense and they can get back to playing Josh Pastner like defense because they did not do that last year. And it was the first time in Josh's time that they did not play Josh Pastner like defense if they can get back to that defense, I am telling you, I am predicting it now. I believe this team could be a better shooting team. And I believe this team could be a better offensive team as a team concept. Lance Terry is a great shooter. Javon is a, is a, you know, seems like he can get to the hole. I think Davon with it. I watched Davon last year and it, there was so much talent there, but he almost was going faster than everybody else. If he can control it, I, you know, he could be a dangerous, dangerous scorer, even in the ACC. So I'm seeing some things, and I think they've got a chance to go nine or ten deep here and really rotate, run a lot, turn the ball over, get easy buckets, and then in the system, I the, the catch to me, this is the one thing I'll say against Josh, I just don't – I know he loves that Princeton offense to, to bleed the clock, but he's got to come up with I, – I, I hope he adds a different offense to create more offense because the Princeton is to try and slow the game down, and I get that, and he still needs to do that, I think, with this team. But I'm getting tired of the – especially with Rodney up there, two to three times a game, they're just stealing that pass to the high post. So – yeah, and he doesn't even when they give it to the high post. It's not like Rodney's hitting cutters. I mean, he he grabs, he gets the ball up there, and he's like, "I just want to get rid of this. I well, don't want to hold the ball anymore." All he wants to do is the handoff. He almost never has the backdoor pass. He certainly hasn't developed the elbow jumper that both Ben and James and and Moses developed. Moses put it out to the three point line, and yeah. uh, you know maybe he will this year. I don't know. Maybe Kirill will have that element. You know, um, but I don't think Kirill's going to play too much. In yeah. all honesty, as, as a as a late reclassified freshman, 
I mean, the dude was in high school like a month ago. I don't I don't think he's going to I don't think that I think if he plays, it's either because he is just that good or somebody got hurt. Yeah, we'll see. I, you know, it, it's it's all it's all hopeful at this point. So we'll we'll have to see how they do. I I uh, will do another one of these as the season gets closer. Maybe at maybe the first part of the season after we've seen some preseason and some practices. But I am I am really cautiously optimistic because and and the bias is clear. I really like Josh Pastner. He develops players. Uh, I like a defensive first uh, system. Uh, I think he can take the handcuffs off a little bit more. I think he needs more ball movement to create more open shots, but I get it. You know, you run the Princeton to, to protect the ball more and to get it down to 10 seconds and then find a shot. We're just going to try and keep the team under 55 points that we're playing and maybe we can get 55 points. But if they play any kind of defense and can hold teams under 60, if they can, if if these shooters and these they play a team offensive concept, then they've got a chance. But until then, I think it might be you see a lot of offense of Aaron Sturdivant putting his head down, driving into the lane, and either getting his own bucket or dishing. I think that's you know it's it's Sturdivant with his strength or Davon with his speed. I think those are the those are the breakdown players. Well, um, either that or Debo. I mean. The Debo averaged 25 in high school. You don't just accident yourself into that. Um, I like I like what you said because Pastner is a, is a developer. He definitely – we've seen that. And I think that this is his most talented group of kids to develop right now because there's – you know, D- Devon, Devon's a junior, but realistically, his um, when he was at Mississippi State, he didn't really play. And how much development time did he really get? And then coming over last year, you know, injuries kind of derailed him. So this is, I think, it's going to be his first real, like, tech chance to play. And then the freshman class of Debo, Miles, and Jalen, I think those three together, Debo, obviously, you know, he has the credentials, but Miles Kelly um, was a pretty good recruit in his own right. And we saw, you know, as the year went on and on and on, he got more and more comfortable. He, he can strike it from deep. You know, he, he can he can he can score the nets. And if you give him if he get, if he can add some muscle, he's going to be a, a good wing player. And Jalen Moore already had the muscle. He's just missing some of the fundamental. He gave me Moses Wright vibes to an extent. So when you if you watched Moses as a freshman, it was it was like a baby deer on ice. Like he had all this ability. He just had no idea how or when to use it. And so I think that, that kind of. So Jalen had. You could see he's strong. He's got the he's got skill. He just well, he's got he's got physical attributes. He just doesn't have the skill or the tact yet. And so I think that this could be the year where he kind of starts to make some moves. And and I think and and what I'm thinking is with with Kyle and with Davon and with Lance Terry and with Debo, you've got four potential really good ball handlers. And then you've got a lot more athletic ability and speed around them. So that's why I say on the offense, move people, find cutters. Yes, for, the, for the love, please. I Some screen and rolls. Like, yeah. do some screen and roll action. But at the end of the that day – That would make Rodney's job that much easier. Well, and here's the other thing. If you've watched Josh Passner teams, the other thing is they constantly get better over the season. So if this team gets – and last year's team, again, didn't. I think they started at a level and they kind of stayed there. There were injuries, there were other things, but I don't think they really got much better 
until the very, very, very end, and they just didn't get good enough to win games. They lost a lot of close games. So I think the ceiling of this team is is I think the absolute ceiling is to make another NCAA tournament. I think realistically you're trying to go 500 in the ACC, maybe get into the NIT and and grow because, yes, they have some seniors, but uh, they've got a lot of underclassmen now, and then they've got Blue Cane for next year's class. So things aren't as bad as I think people you're going to hear the national media say because of how much they lost, you know, because of how much scoring they lost with Usher and DeVoe. All right. Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, we have uh, covered basketball, and uh, so I hope you enjoyed that first basketball chunk. Hope you enjoyed the news. Uh, Joshua, I, unless you have any other parting words, there's only one la- last thing to say, isn't there? Uh, there's always one last thing to say, and that is to hell with Georgia. That is the good word. I agree with my my host, Joshua. So for Joshua, I'm Stephen. We will catch you next time on What's the Good Word? <laughs>